And here we are, episode 104 of The Brian Oaks Show, recording live in the Smart Start Super Spreader Studios here in South Minneapolis. Just kidding. This place reeks like bleach because I come in here and I hose this place down, if you know what I'm talking about, every time we're going to do a show. I'm kind of surprised how many people are willing to come in and actually hang out in this relatively confined space. You are the one who talked to our landlord, but we have our own dedicated Smart Start MN studio, Sean. I, what are we looking at? Is this like a 12 by 12 room? 10 yeah, by that's 10? Yeah, I, I would think 12 by 12. 12 yeah. by 12, something like that. So it's not tiny. It, it's not a closet, but it's also not huge. And we are able to socially distance, but only just. And Yeah, we're probably about seven feet away, I would think, from each other. Top somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, wingspan. Actually, we can't touch arms if no, we reach we out. So, okay, we're, we're good. Yeah. Right across the table, probably just a little bit closer, but the number of people who have been willing to come in has been great. So we make a point of masking up when we get here, of hosing down the studio with chemicals that are likely worse for us in the long yeah. term than you know, COVID. Inhaling those. Oh, good. I understand that if you get the cleaner right into the veins, that it kills the virus really, almost instantly. Uh, very orange. Look, it comes right from the top. It's it comes theory. right from the top. <laughs> it is the Brian Oak Show. Thanks, everybody, to tuning in. Thanks for the continued, uh, un- inexplicable, but l- well-appreciated support of our sponsors and uh, all of our Patreon members and all of our listeners out there. We are pre-recording this show because as we speak, as this show publishes, I'm on the operating slab. I'm unconscious. I'm in the netherworld of... We had to pre-record this show because I am getting surgery on a hernia. As an adult, I've never had surgery before. Really? Um, the last time I was put under with anesthetic... With anesthetic. N- not, not self-administered. <laughs> yeah, I was the say. last time I was put under with anesthetic, uh, actual legal medical anesthetic, was when I was five years old and had my tonsils out. So that was a good wow. 47 years ago. Yeah, that, that's that was... A- that's a while ago. And so I've been nervous about doing this surgery. I oh, put it off been? for a okay. long time. Shut up, Sean. Um, I but, didn't know you were nervous about it. Really? I do know that you don't like the going to the dentist. I guess I remember that. That's from... just because they use ancient, archaic, medieval era torture instruments. Yeah. We live in an era of <laughs> conveyor belts and bubble cars, yet somehow they're still using ancient, clawed, demonic <laughs> I- items to scratch at your actual bones. I hate the dentist, but um, uh, not. No, I wish they would put me out at the dentist when I go. Actually, sedation dentistry is my new jam. Should I ever decide to go to the dentist again? Uh, no, no, no. I've been a little nervous about this, so we needed to pre-record some shows to have them in the can so that you know and again in case i don't make it man like if i die on the slab there even for a routine hernia surgery which is all i'm going in for <laughs> i've been so scared about this that i put it off for more than five years and i've got this little quato that sticks out of my stomach yeah. shut up sean you've never well, seen it i have because I sometimes know, when I, I walk into a place i don't even look at you i just set my hat down and i <sighs> keep walking <laughs> May I hang my umbrella here? <laughs> no, you yeah. don't ask. You just put, it right, put the umbrella right on it and just keep walking. Well, I am going to get that tended to. In fact, I'm having it tended to as the first people who tune into the show will be listening. But today we are not going to talk about my surgery. We are going to talk about... Well, and so I guess my point was for bringing that up is we're pre-recording this show. The election, it's Halloween today. The, the election is in three short days. Technically, when you're hearing this, it'll be November 5th. That'll be a Thursday. So we likely won't have a result 
for who is the leader of the free world because it'll get mired in the courts and even if there if there's if it's not a clear if there's hanging chads or dangling chads or whatever i just i can't even imagine what that i I almost kind of hope i go into a medically induced coma on the table but um (laughs) just in mean, we're not going to know exactly so i just want to let everyone know we're pre-recording because who knows what the two days after the election are going to look like we could already be embroiled neck deep in a civil war Get and your head around be, that. And you'll be out like a light. Dude, 28 <laughs> days later, did you ever see the movie? Oh. Where he woke up in the hospital oh. and everyone's been disemboweled and there's no one around. And um, kind of like. You shouldn't get this surgery. Uh, no. <laughs> Anyway, I'm getting the surgery. Where but we'll, will I put we'll, my umbrella? Well, we're going to. Well, you're going to have to find another friend with a really distended ventral hernia. Okay, um, but I'm going to go get that done. It's been overdue. I've been fine with it. I just at some point it could be problematic, so it's better to do it now and not do it. And um, it's it might mess with my sobriety though. You know, I'm a hundred and some teen days into my sobriety, and um, I understand that that shit gets you high. Uh, it doesn't count though. What do you mean? doesn't count against your sobriety doesn't it that's why i'm gonna do it awake only if you ask for extra (laughs) i am so committed to my sobriety that i'm gonna have surgery awake just kidding i hope they hit me in the head with a brick uh today we are going to be talking to longtime city pages contributor jim walsh uh jim walsh has been writing about music in fact he's got another book on the way before the end of the year and we're going to talk about that a little bit but i plan on having him back sometime before year's end to talk about what his third or fourth music book about the twin cities music scene But Jim wrote during sort of my era of coming of age in the Twin Cities and going to see music. And so I read countless Jim Walsh articles in City Pages. And, of course, City Pages shuttered just a little while ago. And we'll talk to Jim about that specifically, what it means, the more than four-decade legacy of this truly alternative weekly newspaper, how important it was to the Twin Cities, how how many people we all know who either worked there or were Mm -hmm. featured in it or were influenced by it or even for me, never, well, I, I guess in 1997, I was, what does that say? City Pages, we got one hanging on the wall. The editors called me the best FM on-air personality in 1998. 98. God damn, that was a minute ago. I've been riding that fucking gravy train ever since. <laughs> so, in any event, City Pages, even if you weren't ever featured in it or didn't work there, I remember making it a point to go out every Wednesday and get one because that's how you knew the shows. That's yeah. how you knew the thing. That's, that's how you knew what was going on. Everybody did. And it's lost is huge and we're going to talk to Jim about that in a minute but it made me go back to the day when City Pages was important in my life when I went to First Avenue even on nights where there weren't shows I went there with my girlfriend at the time for Danceteria and stuff when I had my long hippie hair and my giant black pirate boots I used to go there just to dance me out on the dance floor shaking my money maker man where are the videos of that good question nobody <laughs> kept them they looked at them like yeah we're not gonna ever need that for anything but this was a song that was in heavy rotation in the late 80s at first avenue on danceateria nights and i absolutely loved it a british performance artist slash musician slash i'm not 100 percent sure what she was but she put out a record in the late 80s called dark adapted eye which i still to this day <laughs> absolutely love and in fact almost renamed the show when we were going to go in a goth direction Uh, her name is daniel dax and i have such good memories about that era of city pages but also of first avenue and just being young and alive and being unafraid enough to go out and dance in public here's daniel dax the song is called cat house on the brian oak show
Daniel Dax. Oh, Cat House off Dark Adapted Eye. It reminds me of First Avenue maybe more than any other song because I'd been to First Avenue as a teenager. Then as a young adult, my girlfriend at the time had this weird black lifetime membership card, which wasn't Ooh. like being on the, the permanent media list. Like you had to you had to be a lifer. You had to know somebody. And it reminds me of a very specific era in the late 80s of falling in love with living in a so-called urban area. You know, it's only Minneapolis, but when you grow up in Coon Rapids, you feel like you're part of Andy Warhol's factory, right? I mean, like, it was so fucking cool. We were there four or five nights a week. We lived there, and it makes me think of that era of City Pages. I came to City Pages mid-'80s when I would come downtown as a teenager, but then living down, I mean, it was my lifeblood. And so we're going to be talking to Jim Walsh in just a moment, but before we bring him into the conversation... I want to thank Smart Start MN, the primary sponsor, the naming sponsor, if you will, of the studios here for The Brian Oak Show, episode 104. Smart Start MN, they are the architects of Minnesota's Ignition Interlock program. What does that mean? Well, hopefully you'll never find out. And that's a weird thing to say about your primary sponsor, but hopefully you will never drink and drive because that's a terrible thing to do. Despite its obvious negativity, people still do it on the regular. And so then you have to decide what does my life look like moving forward from this point? It's going to be expensive. It's going to be a hassle. It's going to be a drag. And you're going to be out of your car for a long time. They can mitigate the length of time you're not allowed to drive by a significant portion and for way less than you would think. Plus, they're both great guys. Mike and Ed, who are the guys behind Smart Start MN, are both really good dudes. That's why we worked with them this whole time. Got 104 episodes in, and they're still hanging around. Can you explain that, Sean? It's crazy. Ed actually reached out to me and just said, hey, man, how's your mom doing? I just love that. I mean, these guys are, are true partners uh, for us in this podcast. Go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show for 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. And I don't want to di- you know, divert too much, but in these unprecedented times, these uncertain times, uh, your mom, who we've had talked to on the show yes, before, we had, yes. a show, we had an episode where we talked to both our moms, we called the episode Your Mom, and that's because <laughs> we were both talking to our moms, but your mom, who is a multiple-time cancer survivor and suffers from congestive heart failure, is now diagnosed with COVID. Can I ask how your mom is? She's uh, actually stable. I, I will admit that when I... I found out she had it. Uh, I thought this is she's gone. Um, but she's yeah, she had cervical cancer in the 80s and then she had skin can- or breast cancer and then skin cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's had congestive heart failure for the last couple of years. So when she got COVID, I just I did not think she had a shot of making it. But right. it's actually looking pretty good right now. Knock on wood. But I just I just thought it was great that Ed reached out and well, you know, there's it transcends this client, uh, you know, relationship type of thing. Really cool. I, I so, agreed. I mean, that, yeah, that, thank you for asking that. Well, but that's why we continue to work with them. But also, I mean, like you're in addition to my business partner and the producer of this show, you're also a good friend of mine. And oh, thank um, you. I, I, you know, it, I don't feel the same way, but I mean, that's I think fine. It's nice I, to, I, I can give a fuck how you feel. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> we have to do the Irish thing. Jim can appreciate that. <laughs> oh, my God. Not another podcast where there's three middle aged Irish white dudes <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> but I just, I just hope, I just hope the best for your mom, you. um, because you know there are people who get this, and despite any previous, you know, conditions, they oh. walk away. But other people, it's awful and it's terrible. So I just, I wish the best for your mom, and we're going to keep checking in, and we're going to keep finding out, and we send her all the love and light that's available in a time where love and light seems to be at a premium. Um, the the 
pandemic has cost us a lot. And sometimes you can be like, oh, well, the pandemic fucked this up or fucked that up or, you know, like uh, restaurants closing or your favorite place closing or not being able to see live shows. Those are fairly straight lines to draw. But for an institution that has helped define, you know, I mean, the whole point of this podcast is we've talked to local musicians, Mm -hmm. local politicians, local rabbis. I mean, the people who have made the fabric of the Twin Cities and surrounding area what it is has become the focus of this podcast. And I would argue that there are few, maybe not any other media outlets that have touched or defined or been associated with Every guest we've had on this show, more than City Pages, an alternative local weekly that had more than a four decade run. And it was just last week that it was announced that it's over at City Pages. And you might think, well, print media was heading the wrong direction anyway. It's not that surprising. City Pages hasn't quite been the same. All of that may be true. But when you talk about a publication that's had the defining role that that the city pages had in the Twin Cities over that 40 year period, you know, they but they relied on hyper local advertising. You know, when you the reason I picked up city page, the reason it was a destination every Wednesday, I went to a coffee shop or a record Mm -hmm. shop or wandered through the Skyway until I found one is because if you wanted to go to a show, if you wanted to know anything happening in your local arts or cultural community, city pages was the defining definitive destination they they care again jim who we're about to introduce here um we were just talking outside about how true believers right and so regardless of the professionalism or the level of experience or whatever you wanted to say about city pages the dedication and the belief of the people who worked there they were true fucking believers yes and and that's why so many of us, it's not just a Minnesota down-home thing, you know? I mean, I am a homer. I fucking love it yeah, here. I I'm, too. I'm yeah. a Southsider. Granted, I grew up in Coon Rapids. I know the North Suburban Cultural Corridor. You've been the second here I longer turned, than you were there. Though. I have been. The second I turned 18, I headed for South Minneapolis, and I've been here for now for more than, good God, 35 years. Anyway, a very long time. Um <laughs> This is my home. I believe in this city, in this place, and and no publication has more defined the lifeblood and the heartbeat and the essence of culture and music and art in the Twin Cities than City Pages. And there are so many people that we're going to have on over the upcoming episodes to lament the loss of City Pages. You know, there might be a 22-year-old out there right now who's like, ah, eh, City Pages, I saw it a couple times, whatever. But if you're of a certain age, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking grandpa age, right? But I mean, if you you, if you've enjoyed the, this town or this area in any regard at all over the last 30, 35, well, frankly, the full 40 years of that publication, there's no way you don't have a spot of warmth and love for city pages in it, your heart. It's like losing a piece of your childhood. And I know that people say that all the time, but it, it wasn't my childhood as much as my formative music years mm-hmm. when I was really developing my music taste. And I would go read the articles on a band that I had never seen before, but I'm like, oh shit, I trust them. I guess I got to go spend the $5 cover charge or whatever it was to go see that particular band. And I loved some of the articles. And this is something that City Pages did that you couldn't get in the Strib or, or any place else. They'd have, they'd call 
local assholes out. Yeah. You know, with some of the articles as well. They do these very thoughtful, interesting articles. They call out the douches of the town, which is kind of cool. It was one you know, of the bene- so many great articles. It was one of the benefits of that place. You know, before we talk about all these great aspects of the heyday or what it became or what it meant or how it helped define, but also, and this is important because I feel like it's what we do here on the podcast, to promote artists oh, and things that yeah. are happening. Yep. There might not have been a better destination than City Pages. And one of the guys who I got to know through his writing, his output, his articles, and his attitude long before I ever met him in person is Jim Walsh. And Jim Walsh has been on the podcast before, but I'm both delighted and very sad to welcome him back to the podcast today because we're here to celebrate and venerate and eulogize a really, really incredible institution. And that is the now deceased City Pages. Uh, First and foremost, Jim Hi, how are you? Hey, hi guys. It's it's really nice going. to see you. Nice to see you. It's too. good to see your face. And um, uh, Jim Walsh has been playing music, writing about music, being a, a, a miniapolitan for as long as just about anybody I know. Uh, and before we get into City Pages, its legacy, and all that that entails, uh, how are you holding up during the pandemic, man? You all right? I, I was just thinking about it. We did the podcast a year ago this month. So was it November. really? Was it a year ago? Didn't we do it before? We did the, it in this room, so we we were in this room before It had to be at least that. December. Did we do one in the other place? Because no, no, we, no, we, we also had here. one with we you did. and your brother, uh, and that was in this room, That's and we've I'm been here about. since... December. When? We've been here... Have we really been here since December? Yeah, we started here in December. So December. We did the hoot at the parkway in December, yep. and okay. Uncle Bird and I came on. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. But think of what has happened in that year. Oh, my God. No one could have seen it no. coming. The fact that we still have sponsors for this show and <laughs> that we're all still sort of clinging and, you know, there's a there's a little bit of a white knuckle effect. There's a little bit of uh, everyone's got that sort of thousand-yard stare and dazed yes. and confused. But when I look in your eyes, I can still see Jim Walsh. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest. That gives me a little hope, man. I agree. You it know, gives I, me a little hope. I was just saying this last night, and and we are living on breadcrumbs, you know. When I can see you, when I can hear uh, on the radio my friends, when I can, and this speaks, it's it's calming, it's it's uh, enriching, and this is the tragedy of of city pages going down, and you you know this from your voice being out there, and from being stopped, in to a for for a moment. I've been there a couple right? times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that just that personal feeling, but then as a listener, God, God, we missed you right away. Mm. And then City Pages is the same reaction where you sense a you can say it's a loss of personality, a, la, a loss of journalism and intellectualism. It's just people, and it were all those voices of our friends that we dialed into every week, uh, telling us about the world, music, and politics, and and all that is. I've been chewing on, you know, over the last couple of days, just with the Southwest Journal going down, my column ending. I was laid off in March. Uh, City Page is going down. Sid Hartman dying. Mm. I, I'm chewing on the idea of news deserts. And are we in a news mm. desert now, which would, you know, would be news to our friends at the Star Tribune and NPR, etc. But... It feels that way because there have been losses of voices that are out there that are maintained by, you know, legacy media, and now they're gone. And there's no one that benefits 
by fewer voices. No. There's no one that benefits. No. And whether or not you agreed with them, I mean, you know, Sean spoke to it. There was a time when, yeah, I would go back and forth. I, I oscillate on the daily, and so it's not surprising over the years, between optimism and cynicism. And in my most cynical days, there were times where City Pages irritated the fuck out of me. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> where, where I'm like, these motherfuckers think they're so cool and so important. <laughs> but then I would read it, I would, I would pick up an issue, and I would read... An important piece of in-depth investigative journalism that I'm Mm -hmm. like, there's not one other outlet in this town that would even approach this story or put in the legwork that someone young and not venerated like a 60 minutes, morally safer type, but still felt they were a true believer. Getting Mm -hmm. back to that phrase, they believed that they had a story and they had a lead and they weren't going for strict sensationalism. Now, I don't think that City Pages shied away from sensationalism, but I don't think it was was its defining trait. There would be, sometimes you stumble across sensational information, but my point is, regardless of how you thought about City Pages, how you may have felt about its transition over the years, how you may have felt about specific stories, specific additions, None of us benefit by the loss of this particular voice. And I don't think City Pages in recent years is what it was at what I would call its heyday. And again, I'm an outsider, so I don't have the sort of insight. I know a lot of people who have worked there over the years, yourself included. I know many, many people who have been on the business end of both negative and positive reviews or attention from that particular output. But whether we're talking about the comics that I went to immediately in the very front few pages, the lead story that would dominate the first few pages, the rather lurid ads or personals that would dominate the back pages, City Pages was one of the defining aspects of my life for decades. But more importantly, you know, this the loss of it has made me reflect on how much I owe this city and city pages as part of that. The number of shows I would have never heard about. The number of stories that I would have been completely ignorant of because I'm like, well, I'm not part of this, but wow, that's enlightening and informative. It made my world bigger and more interesting every time I cracked the pages, which is why it was a destination for me. It came up in the, you know, you use the word heyday, in the heyday of alternative journalism. And there was a network, you know, much like the same energy that spawned, you know, the punk rock, uh, you know, new music revolution of the late 70s into the 80s. And all those papers were born of that. So we were part of a tradition, and we were really proud of that. I mean, as alternative journalists. As like a professional zine. It like was. zines it really, were happening. It truly was. But this was one that had a structure, an infrastructure, and therefore had the resources to be like the most informative and coolest zine you've ever seen. I think about some of the stories I wrote and kind of the mindset going into them. And, you know, we did, I was, you know, from 90 to 94, I was there. And then again in the mid-2000s as, as a columnist. And I, you know, you would go out on a story. I did a story, I'm just thinking about some of the cover stories I did. And one was, on, you would love this, Repo Men, oh. right? I went out with these guys. I mean, you know Repo Man's my favorite movie of it, all time. I think I did know that. Well, it is, but I mean, so the, so you it you went a, out, you like you got paid to go out and roll with Repo Man. You're like Emilio when, Estevez. When was this? I think I remember this story. When it was, was it? frightening, man. And these guys just, they were on it, and they were really good dudes. And we, I hung with them in their office like this. Right. You know? Then we went out on a couple of runs, 
And I had to drive the car a couple of times, you know, like, <laughs> oh come my gosh. on. Yeah, you oh, know, great. like, get were, in the car. I'll never forget being on Portland Avenue, sitting in this car, like, freaked <laughs> if this dude's coming out with a gun at me or whatever. So, oh, my wrote, God, for it, real? And I wrote it like that. Yeah. But going out on a story like that, you knew that you were writing a three to 5,000 word piece. Right. Mm. And so you could go, all right. And I remember, I remember my lead just on that piece was... This dude and I were driving out. I'm I'm kind of interviewing him. We're just kind of talking. And I go, so how scary does it ever get? And he goes, oh, you know, sometimes you'll get a dog that will really. And sure enough, we were there. <laughs> I can still see it. <laughs> to pick up this car. Uh-huh. And this German shepherd in the moonlight. just, And I was like, I was frozen. Uh-huh. I'm like, this dog's going to kill me. Yeah. And. <laughs> For the record, a dog dude, can kill you. And we jump in the, back into the truck, and the dude goes, I think we better go get the truck. And I go, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good idea. All right, so not every story. So you wrote for City Pages. That and the Klan. It, I mean, the Klan. Me and Dan Corrigan getting, almost getting our asses kicked by the Nazis and the Klan. Okay, oh. before I, we're hearing that story. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, for the people who are not familiar, Dan Corrigan, I had met him on and off honest to God, for decades before I actually got to know him because he's a very quiet, reserved, and when I call him an unusual dude, I don't mean, I mean that with the highest level of praise. In addition to loving true believers, I like people who are not like anyone else I've ever met before. I've never met anybody else like Dan Corrigan before. Dan Corrigan, in fact, I've ta- I've interviewed Dan Corrigan on a number of occasions, and Dan Corrigan, the photographer that defined First Avenue in the Twin Cities scene for so long, and you remember when all that stuff blew up in Seattle in the early to mid-90s, the yeah. black and white dynamic live rock show photography? Yes. Every single one of those motherfuckers owes Dan Corrigan a giant fucking royalty check because he defined the style that would come to define Seattle photography. So Dan Corrigan worked the City Pages, and you two, what did you infiltrate the Klan? Did you just hang out with some Klan bros? <laughs> no, uh, that story was, we went to this, you know, it was, yeah, wow, before, you know, the Klan and Nazis were mainstream news. All before the they were allowed a, a voice? They were allowed a voice in East St. Paul. They held a rally, and Corrigan and I went, and... After that, and there was an, a counter protest, and you know, I was doing a story. I was trying; we were trying to get photos and interviews and stuff. And these guys pinned me up against the car, and we know you're Jew publisher, and you blah blah blah. I had it all on Come tape. On. Corrigan, speaking oh of Corrigan, God. this was great. I was frozen again, Jesus <laughs> Christ! And I've got my tape recorder. And I'm holding it out like this, and we're there's a semicircle of Nazis around us. Yes. Shirts off and actual arms. violent skinheads, like you know, just fucking right. Nazis. And Corrigan is standing next to me, and I've got the and and they're spewing this shit into my <laughs> tape recorder. But one of them has slapped it off, and Corrigan instantly goes, "W, Jimmy, he turn it back on." I'm like, yeah, dude, thanks. And that was the whole lead of our piece. Like, but, well, he's that, got the presence of mind to realize right. now you, so, you may lose so, you may piece, lose your life. That but piece we need ran to into from that lead that went into the whole history of the Klan in Minnesota wow. and Nazis and and white power groups and stuff. That, and that was 1990. You, you know, know, my, my or 92 form, or 91. My former employers uh, over at Minnesota Public Radio, I think, in their heart of hearts, they believe. That they're doing the right thing. I think that they believe that, I, and I do genuinely think they believe that they are providing journalism with a capital J. 
Uh, and I, I, I have a great number of colleagues over there that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Kathy Werzer has been on this show, and Kathy Werzer is one of the kindest people on the planet. But I'm talking from an administrative or a management level. I don't think there is a, if we're going to talk about journalism with a capital J, I don't think accuracy is enough. I think it requires a level of bravery yeah. and a level of yeah. of chance that puts you in a place where, like, you didn't know what the next second was going to bring when you're surrounded by a semicircle of fucking hate-fueled fucking yeah. Nazis. And I'm not saying that it's the journalist's responsibility to be in that situation, but the most gripping, the most important journalism is what that looks like right there. And even even if your article didn't deal with that sort of level of fear or intensity or it it it, it highlights what City Pages stood for. City Pages, whether they were just doing a piece on an upcoming band or trying to expose the East Side Nazis, City Pages, they gave a shit, man. And you felt it when you popped it open. And so you marry that with, for me, a guy who at that time, you know, still suffering the lingering after effects of growing up on the cul-de-sacs of Coon Rapids. <laughs> you know, I'm an alternate kid who's got a pretty fucking kick-ass trench coat with a righteous collection of buttons on this side and a bad, yeah, out-of-place new wave haircut. Um I I was more interested in the band stuff and the music stuff. And even though you did some hard news stories, you also were deeply, deeply involved in a lot of music stories yeah. as well. What's the one? And Because, again, we could do this for hours, but we can't do it for hours. But we'll have you back to talk more about it. Give me one where you felt like I am talking to... You know what? I don't even want to put that constriction on it. Where you sat down and you're like, this interview down the road is going to matter. Maybe that's not always evident while you're doing it, but do you have an interview or a story you wrote where you're like, this is an important piece of journalism and no one else, not no one else is here to do it, but I'm the one that's getting this done. I have a lot like that. I do. Um, well, you've written books, and you I know you have another book coming out, which we're going to have you back to talk about the book, so I don't want to dilute this to talk about that, but an interview where you l- couldn't quite believe you were there or somewhere on the back of your neck, the hairs were standing up, and you're like, this is um this is why I'm doing what I do. God, all of them. I mean, I'm not asking I, you to pick I, favorites. I, I would say, I would say, uh, I th- I think you know, like documenting the cows. You know, putting the cows on the cover of City Pages. That's and, crazy because I and, almost and played sitting, 39 lashes to open up the show today. <laughs> and sitting down with you know Shannon Selberg, you know, and at, at you know, I think it was we were at Lee's or something, and just having a chat. But no, all of them. I mean. Uh, I think the one thing I would advocate for in terms of thinking back onto why City Pages was great is, you know, and I'll just bring it up, Pick to Click. Pick to Click ran for 30 years, and it was born on a day I was driving down 94, and I thought, why don't we do a local music poll? And we had just, you know, the Paz and Jop poll was in its heyday, and for people who don't know, that is the Village Voice. The Paz and Jop was basically the definitive indie press coolest bands on the planet as chosen by editors and readers. Records. Oh, records. Records. On the planet. I yeah. mean, but the Paz and Jop poll out of Village Voice is sort of the definitive original list of what's cool. Yeah. But And we had just done a baseball issue in which we um, polled all the baseball writers of America and I just thought, let's do a local music poll. And that stuck. And I and 
you know, Lizzo was was number one in 2013, and she was two years old when the thing started. <laughs> and, and that, and I'm proud of that. City Pages and Pick to Click had a had a small bit in that in in letting the world know about Lizzo and Hammerhead and Walt Mink and Mason Jennings, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is, my my brain worked that way in 1990 to go, hey, maybe we could do a local music poll, mm-hmm. and sure enough. The powers that be at City Pages said, yeah, let's do that. It was a fanzine that way. It so, was. Now, do you have that if you're at Legacy Media when you're thinking, I would like to do, a, well, no, you're going to get, there's going to be four doors closing mm-hmm. on that Correct. idea. They're going, no, we It's going to have it. to go through it's, several la- layers right. of approval. There's going to have to be management yeah. involved. The answer is no. What there was the question? Terry Sutton or Judith Lewis at the time, you know, I said, hey, you guys, what, what do you think? Yeah, great idea. Let's do it. So we had a cover every year. It was music on the cover, and it ensured that the people, we the people at City Pages, were not the only voice covering music, so to speak. And sometimes all that's all people want to know, like what, who are some cool bands? And here, oh, here's the top ten. Even if there was a curse, even if there was, it was you know just it wasn't exact science. It got it was chatty, and it was. And it doesn't it, matter if it was exact science. It doesn't matter if there was a curse. It was highlighting Minnesota music and the rich fabric and the cultural heritage here has always been strong and it did it year after year after year. I don't give a shit about the accuracy. No. I don't give a shit about the curse. It was important. Now, we're going to talk more about this, but we got to get some music in. We've been talking too long without music and you've chosen a song here that I've seen you reference a couple times in the last couple days uh, in regards to the passing of City Pages. It's a song that most of us should know. The replacement's left of the dial, but there's a particular line in this song that I know hits home with you more than almost any other i just remember when paul wrote it read about your band or read, read about your band in some local page didn't mention my name and you know that paul was a, a was a you know a child of the alternative press too mm-hmm. you know and i always think of creative loafing out of atlanta i think that was a song about uh maybe the indigo girls or something it, it felt it feels because sweet georgia breezes and it always Chris Morris, the great the great Los Angeles critic. I, I posted that the other day, and he said, "I always I always think of you when I hear this song." You know, read about your band in some local page, and it's gone. That local page is gone.
Yeah, there's nothing quite like it. And man, it speaks to a time oh. and a place. You know, there's that great Rhino box set that is sort of the the Nuggets box set of that important time in college radio before the explosion of alternative music that would redefine American music. Um, and it's called Left the Dial, and there's a reason. You know, and anybody who ever is like, okay, I get it, the replacements. Okay, <laughs> I get it. You don't fucking get it, because Paul Westerberg is as important an American songwriter it's going to sound silly because it's someone that he's paid tribute to. Paul Westerberg is as important as Alex Chilton. And for people who are like, yeah, I've heard the Bach tops. I've heard a little Alex Chilton. There, there are people that are the skeleton. There are people that are the fibers, the tendons, the things that vibrate and move the muscles of everything else that happens. That song, that band, that particular uh, uh, band right there, absolutely among that, right? That, that line, I'll, I'll try to find you left of the dial, is now, is right now. That's, yep. that's mm-hmm. how I feel, waking up in the morning, reading my daily news out, outlets, it's gone. There are parts of it that are just that are shuttered. I'll yep. try, I will. I'll try to find you left of the dial, however which way we can. And, and it's social media for sure, but, you know, it's... Well, it speaks to a time when there wasn't social media, and left of right. the dial meant community stations right. and college stations, and alternative music exploded and happened. Thank you, Nirvana, who I, A, love, but B, will be forever thankful to, to at least opening the world to this. You know, but being a child of the 80s myself all these bands that defined my youth and I had to go to record stores and I had to read fanzines and I had to read city pages and I had to go to weird little all ages, non-alcoholic clubs. when I was a kid just to hear yep. this music. The only other place you heard it was on college and community radio. And that's the whole thing about left to the dial. Before we continue talking to Jim, we need to thank our sponsors, busters on 28th. We do live in a time where COVID killed city pages. Maybe city pages wasn't the monster and cultural driving force that it was prior, but it was still an important voice in the community glenn taylor killed city pages go on glenn taylor killed city pages can i now that's a beautiful tease can i finish with busters on 28th <laughs> no no we're, we're coming we're coming right back to that because yeah. that's the most interesting thing anyone said on this podcast in months you did. okay hang on to that thought i'll be right back I can't you can. can't. Do you it. can't. I know I can't you can't. Do it. I have to go with it now. Chew your gum, Jim. Chew your gum and give me 45 seconds to finish this up. Buster's on 28th. Don't let Glenn Taylor kill them. Holy oh. shit. Don't let Glenn Thank Taylor you. kill them or anything else. Glenn Ta- oh my God, I'm dying. You know, let me get through this. Uh, they provide great food. You can get beer and wine to go. They have an amazing selection there. They really do have incredible food. They're another important little staple of a small neighborhood of Minneapolis. But again, if we start removing these small pieces here and there, and then we lose this whole neck of the woods right here, or this neck of the woods over here, this area isn't what it used to be. And I'm not one of these old timers like, God darn it, nothing's going to change. I'm going <laughs> to still go down to the alt and get me a skateboard. Which you can still do, by the way, I believe. Um, but my point is, Things will always change. Things will come and go, but there are things that make this town... It makes me feel the way I feel about it. And so it is fucking sad to lose city pages. Fuck you, Glenn Taylor. I'm still waiting to hear the story. But I'm I'm, I'm pushing my chips to the, to the Jim Walsh side of the table. Um, Buster's on 28th does a great job. They have to go. You can dine indoors on a gorgeous day like today. Well, yes. we're pre-recording this, but on a gorgeous day like today, you can sit outside as long as that may last. So please support them. Please keep your 
community's vibrant. Support all your local businesses, but in particular, Busters on 28th. You can go to busterson28th.com. That's right. It's the same as like a local hardware store. I literally stopped by the Bryant uh, hardware store right on Bryant and 36 on the way over here today. You may think to yourself, oh, I'll just go to the big box, you know, hardware stores. Bullshit. You've got to go to these local hardware stores, these local restaurants with frequency and just get your mind around that. It does matter every single time to go to those local places and, and help them out. That's always been important, but now more than ever. So thanks to Busters on 28th for your continued support. And I hope that you exist past all of this stupidity in a world that we even vaguely recognize on the other side. But if we don't, I want you to be a part of it. Now then, uh, teasing like a seasoned media veteran, Jim Walsh just said, it wasn't COVID that killed City Pages. It was Glenn Taylor. Before you go any further into that story, who's Glenn Taylor? I know. I'm asking for our <laughs> listeners. Glenn Taylor is the uh, stationary baron from Mankato who <laughs> bought the Timberwolves and Lynx and Star Tribune and City Pages. Uh-huh. And who the Timberwolves are a middling NBA team. At best. The Lynx success has had nothing to do with him uh-huh and the star tribune god bless all our friends who who work there and do great work there but they're working under the former head of the gop in minnesota who is a trump supporter who has who has contributed to his campaign and yeah why wouldn't you kill City Pages if you had that pedigree? No, so you got that and pedigree, the but connect the dots for me, only because I want to understand fully, and I want people who are like not quite sure, like, yeah, it's easy to hate Trump. He's a, he's a fucking job of the hut, only orange, and a little less intelligible, um, and, and a worse businessman, to be honest. So it's easy to hate Trump, and the, those who might support him at the highest levels, rich people who can afford to buy media outlets or professional sports teams, but why would Glenn Taylor specifically want to shut down City Pages because it's an alternative and left-leaning voice? Because it's losing money. That's yeah, it. Well, that's the bottom so line that, right there. So it's economics. Just a fucking number. But so are the wolves, and and yeah. so is you know. But this every, is an easy one to lop off. And but the problem is, but you then, if you are doing that and you are a thought leader in this community. Then you don't respect those voices that are coming out of City Pages, right? Just admit it. Well, that you we know. It. I mean, he, he never Jay, did. Jay Bowler had a great tweet this morning. He said Cole Aldrich is still being paid on the books like six hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars a year. Cole Aldrich, former Timberwolves bench sitter, and and what does he do now? And he's I don't even think he's in the league. But who cares? The league is not even happening right, right now. Right. But that would that is the combination. That's twice as much or something than the. And it costs to run City Pages. Of the 30, 30 employees at City Pages. So you have to go, you have to ask about media ownership. You yeah. have to say that A plus B equals C. Sometimes it's that simple. Mm-hmm. It's the same you know, thing that happened in radio. Pat Borzi had a great piece in MinPost where he just said that, you know, they uh, they tweeted out something about Melania and or a, 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 a funny little bit on Melania and Trump having COVID. And... The publisher took it down and, and apologized. Now, my God, that it, it was it was benign. I mean, the stuff we did at C Pages in comparison is oh my God. Is, I mean, but it, it always had ballast. It always had smarts, and and we were always writing for smart people for for you know uh, 
people who were not just taking. I start. I started. There's a whole news uh, category now that I kind of keep track of. Pandemic pablum. Yeah, and there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. When you're 12 minutes into the local news and they're talking about, you know, the leaves or something on the tree. I mean, good a God, Minneapolis man. man teaches a chipmunk how to ski. <laughs> you know, <laughs> more on your pandemic pablum. I mean, <laughs> right. So why not, Glenn? And here's my other thing. But it's not even a good cost-saving measure. No, of course not. So, and here's my thing. I go, why haven't we read a good profile of Glenn Taylor ever? Try and find it. Well, because there's not an outlet big enough to have an impact on it? I don't understand that. Well, what, so what do you mean? Why, then answer the question, why haven't we read a good... Because he's controlling this. Yes, the, he's a monopolist. Well, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is there's not own, a place... He doesn't own Minneapolis-St. Paul. He, he won't sit down for an interview. I guarantee no. it. If I sit down with Glenn Taylor and I want to do an interview with him, these are my first couple of questions. What it, How did you vote in the last election? Mm. Who did you contribute to? Uh, and how does this affect the Star Tribune and therefore these cities? Mr. Walsh, I appreciate your line of questioning, but I'm going to say that these are none of your business. Exactly. Uh, my vote is my own mo- uh, mode. Uh, who right. I support politically is right. entirely up to me, and that is right. I'm not mandated to divulge that. And how it affects the Star Tribune, why don't you go fuck yourself? Right. That's it. <laughs> hey, look, I've created a lot of jobs in this town. That's always think, the fucking default answer. Thank you, you Mr. Think, Burns. Do you think... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Excellent. Perhaps this energy conservation fad is as dead as the dodo so we can we, we can all the second episode of the Simpsons, <laughs> nice. where they're all doing electroshock therapy on each other and back when by the way smithers was still a person of color uh he when when the simpsons can't uh, stop shocking oh each gosh. other and smithers goes and then the whole town starts to brown out because of the electricity being used. It looks like, hmm, someone's really gobbling up the juice out there, sir. And <laughs> that's when, that's when I fell in li- love <laughs> with Mr. Burns. He's like, hmm, excellent. Perhaps this energy conservation fad is as dead as the dodo. Um, so we can thank the plutocracy and the oligarchy once again for silencing another voice. So my putting, my pinning even a portion of the blame on COVID is, is that wrong? I mean, it, no, ha- it had to not. contribute. Of it not. had to contribute. Of course not. Okay, yeah. but but because ultimately, it is true. It's advertising, and it's like if you're, of course, but and they relied on hyper local advertising and live true. music, which we true. all lament. There's not one person in this room right now who wouldn't love to go out and see a fucking show tonight oh, on Halloween, dress like a goofball, have yeah. a couple of cold ones, Good and God. and let's get after it. We all want that, so we miss it. Getting back to the original point, regardless of who's to blame. The Twin Cities have suffered a loss. Yeah. I think we can all agree that City Pages is not the monster that it once was. And I'm using the, mon- the term monster in a positive light. It was, it was part of my, my lifeblood every single week. I would read through it more than once. I don't remember the last time I even looked through a third of a newspaper. I, it just, I don't do it anymore because I, I don't care. This spoke to me. It spoke to who I was. It spoke to a certain time. And it turns out I know more people who still worked at City Pages than I thought until I saw my social media the day after. And also, you know, for those of us who were on the outside, who were just readers or benefactors or the countless number of dancers spoken word artists and in particular bands who benefited from amplification yes the internet is here now yes it's more easily accessible but it's so diluted there's not one place that goes that we can define our metro area from an art standpoint 
to the degree that City Pages had an impact and on this area. professional writers. That's the thing that fucking... And photographers that's a, and distribution. Exactly. All of it. That, that's my point, is that that's what social media will not replace, and a bunch of hack bloggers will not replace. They had incredible professional writers who knew, who, who knew how to fucking write an article. The, the other part of that that, it, that I have to advocate for was there was, there's, there was and there always has been a lot of first-person writing in City Pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was venerated, and it was, if not encouraged, it was, uh, I think readers really appreciated um, sh- when you showed yourself and said, this is how either this music or this time is affecting me and my family and mm-hmm. friends. And... You know, making minutia or making, you know, mountains out of minutia. Um, and I think it really, uh, you know, people waited to read columnists. And um, and it, true, it was pre, pre-social media and all of that. But it, it was a place for very personal writing from a lot of great writers. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could sit down and really chew on something and you had a good editor at the end of it. Always, you know, I mean, I had great editors at City Pages. All the way down, Terry Sutton, Steve Perry, Judith Lewis, Keith Harris, Will Hermes. Um, I just know, met Andrea Steve Perry for the first time. I don't think I ever wrote for Andrea, but, you know, everybody kept it up and just, you know, really had a tradition behind them going. And going back to the first words you and I shared today, true believers. And it doesn't yeah. mean it doesn't mean blind zealotry. It means belief in an ideal and belief in a town, in a place. If these people didn't care about the area that we live in, then they wouldn't give a shit about making sure that the paper was accurate, interesting, challenging, pushing the boundaries. And I do believe, and I want to give this as a compliment to you and everyone who ever walked through those doors and did the work they did from the layout editors to the salespeople, everybody there believed in the project they were working on for so long. What Sean said was professionalism. Like it was a zine. And, you know, we all loved zines because they were they were giddy. They felt a little they felt a little outsider. They felt like a little dangerous. But it, but it was a true believer. But it wasn't always pro and it was bad cut and paste. And it was so to watch what felt like a zine that had the passion of a zine that had the the sort of zealous love and support and explosion and criticism of our community put together by this team of professionals, which, by the way, I felt very seen when you first started to say that, because right now there are nearly a million podcasts in this country. <laughs> Look, man, I'm just doing the best I can, Sean. One, okay, well, just doing the best I can. It's similar with the blogosphere and podcasting. There's a lot of hacks out there. Oh yeah, and so the point is that they're, they're just like the blogosphere. There's a lot of people who think they can write who can't, and just with podcasting, there's a lot of people who think, oh, I've got a microphone and a way to record myself, and they have they're not interesting. So yeah. I said, uh, I said it's this, just sad. I said this to you when you guys started. Podcasts are great because they live into the future. I mean, mm-hmm. they do. You've done a hundred of these, hundred and four, man. You're number hundred and four, and they live. They you do. know, they live in and, perpetuity, and, and that's the beauty. Well, also. they're a good stamp in time. Not unlike the articles, man. The number of people have been sharing pictures and articles of city pages that they have been featured in, or that they contributed to, or that mattered to them. Um, it's been humbling, and it's also been sad. And we do we do sadly have to wrap things up. Before we do, and before we say goodbye to Jim Walsh, longtime contributor, good friend, 
as much a part of this town, and it, it, I can only imagine how the loss of City Pages has hit you. We'll, we'll wrap up with that in a moment, but before we go, I need to thank AudioQuip, everyone who's ever helped this podcast off the ground, and Sean, you're also a sponsor of this podcast. In addition to being uh, a band about town, you are also a realtor <laughs> for uh, Edina Realty, 50th and France location, and I know that today you're sort of shoehorning this podcast in between uh, I am yeah. uh, responsibilities in the realty world. I am. It's a crazy day, but... Uh, Call me 612-859-2594. Back up your podcast if you need to hear that again. <laughs> um, before we let you go, Jim, uh, and wrap this up, because we try to keep them timely, obviously there are a million more stories, and we may have you back to talk about more of them. What I'd like to end with before we hear your final song selection is I know that you're a ways removed from your affiliation with City Pages, but like many of us, there's it obviously you were an important contributor to what some would would deem its most important or influential era but it's a part of who you are and it will never not be a part of who you are and now it's gone are you mad are you sad are you sort of blissfully reminiscent are you a combination thereof where does just a few days removed from the news of the loss of an important alternative voice in the twin cities where are you at sort of emotionally and mentally i it was a I'm sad, but I, I'm I'm so uh, grateful that it happened and that it that people appreciated it as much as they did for so many years and felt part of it. Um, and it was part of a huge discussion for years um, and truly the lifeblood of a lot of different kinds of communities, not just music, um, all, all sorts of reporting on, on community stuff. So I'm sad, but. Very happy. I got three huge boxes of archives. And I mean, I don't want to annoy people, but my God, there's just really cool stuff in those boxes. Uh, I don't want to, you know, make this about me. But again, for just a second, I want you to look up over your right hand shoulder and take a look at what's hanging on the wall up there. Look at that. Best FM radio personality, Brian Oak, when I worked at Zone 105, apparently the one editor who decided they liked listening to me back then, that was about a year before I started (laughs) working with Lucia, uh, they liked the fact that I could use the word dichotomy Ah. in its proper context. Three signals, I have a question for you before we go. Oh. You, one of my most well-read friends. Oh, well, yes and no. This dystopia we're living through, what sci-fi stuff have you read that it most resembles you know i so i read i'm I'm kind of a a junkie for the 60s and 70s sci-fi um i've read some 80s but more the modern day stuff i have to admit that i sort of lost the thread with modern day stuff because i love collecting old school pulp sci-fi paperbacks as much for the cover art sometimes as i do and it's hard to say because a lot of the greats um have dealt with dystopia you know i mean you've got your aldous huxley's and and those you you have to read them even even not necessarily sci-fi but george orwell if you don't read these you don't realize that long before you were born there were people that were worried that we were going to grow into the world that we've grown into right now and we have and in some cases worse than they ever might have fucking imagined But uh, there is a writer by the name of A.E. Vogt, V-O-G-T. 
he doesn't always go into dystopia, but he was a, a sci-fi writer that I was not familiar with until I started collecting these these pulp paperbacks, which you can get at half price books for like two or three dollars. It's amazing. I bought way more than I'll be able to read before I die. But A. E. Vote is someone that I would recommend cool. reading about these dystopias because he forces you to look at them from different angles. This one, we're like, well, this one makes sense because this is where we are and this is who we are. Read them. It's cool. worth checking out. Uh, we cool. have to go. We have to wrap this up because I know Sean's got to get out of here. We got to wrap it up. We're at an hour. Jim, we will have you back on. We'll talk more about this. I love cool. you, brother. It's good love to see you, your man. face. Good to see you guys. Love you. Thank you. And the world spins madly on. Before we go, uh, you you picked our last song here, which is by the Weepies. I know husband and wife duo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. other than that, I know very little. I've met them and I still know very little about the Weepies. Why'd you pick this one? Beautiful song, great sentiment, the world spins madly on. I just, sometimes it runs through my head just, you know, like a mantra. Here's to a better 2021. Take care, Jim. Cheers, lads. I woke up wish that I was dead With an aching in my head I lay motionless in bed I thought of you And where you'd gone Let the world spin madly on And everything that I said I'd do Like make the world brand new Take the time for you I just got lost And slept right through the dark And the world Spins madly on Let the day go by I always say goodbye I watch the stars The whole world is moving And I'm standing still I woke up and wished that I was dead With an aching in my head Emotionless in bed. The night is here and the day is gone, and the world spins madly on. I thought of you and where you gone, and the world spins madly on, and the world spins madly on, and the world. Spins my